0: Welcome to Utterly Astounded, where eschatology meets current events, meets real life. At least my regular real life at home here in Southern California. I want to introduce my guest today. Her name is LaDonna Watkins, and she is a dear friend to me. She is a married mother of three, Canadian by birth, and an Olympian, which is a wonderful fact about her. There's a lot of wonderful facts, but I love that one. She ran track. In the 96 and 2000 Olympics, that's Atlanta and Sydney, she loves the Lord, loves his word, and knows something of race relations, being a black woman today in America. And we think it's silly to have to mention that. It's not something I would have said 20 years ago. But due to race baiters, the news media, and sadly, the social justice trend in churches, even, which is a terrible thing to think, that the color of our skin has taken awkward center stage in our discourse, even among Christians. First of all, we just want to hear your testimony, LaDonna, how you came to know
1: the Lord. Well, thank you for having me here, Lynn. It's greatly appreciated. So this this should be a lot of fun. So um, yeah, I uh, was born and raised in Canada. My mom came from Jamaica in the uh, early 70s here as a single woman pregnant with me. Uh, She went to a pregnancy center that was run by nuns and they basically gave her two options. Either you could have an abortion or you could uh, give your child up for adoption. And my mom grabbed the nun and said, um, in my country, we only give away cats and dogs and we don't kill children. Um, Wow,
0: that is a wonderful statement. And I wish that we could sort of just uh, put that on a billboard, especially maybe over the top of Planned
1: Parenthood she said it so well go ahead yeah well and you would think back in the 70s i mean they really didn't have any resources or help like they do now so it could have been really easy for her to like well i can just start fresh and no worries but she didn't and so she had me and but yeah so i grew up uh with me and my mom for the longest time then she got married to uh, a guy from texas jesse um and he was a christian so we would go to church occasionally not all the time but he would always talk about christ so around eighth grade we went to this i guess it's like a revival um and the guy gave the gospel and basically like if you believe in jesus stand up so everyone was staring (laughs) so i stood up because it was for kids and so i did that but i didn't really know what i believe but got a bible and like you're a believer so i thought i was um fast forward i went to uh, utah state and was on a track scholarship there um both of my coaches were believers so that was really um good but i only went to church because um they went to the same church and it's in logan utah so there's not a lot of churches so (laughs) um, unless you're a mormon (laughs) yes so i wanted to go there because i didn't want them to think that i was a, a bad person so i went to church faithfully every sunday um, even got baptized, even though the night before I was partying and just doing things that you shouldn't be doing if you're getting baptized the next day. Um, but again, just really blind, having no idea what that actually, what Christianity truly was. So I did that when I would go home for the summer. I would never go to church. Um, but just I loved going to the clubs and I loved dancing. And that was kind of my thing. And then when I went to school, kind of slipped back into Normalcy, so that was kind of my routine, so to speak. um I met my husband uh, when I was in Canada; he's Canadian as well, and so we had a long-distance relationship for six years. Got married in two thousand, um, and yeah, so I wasn't a believer, but I thought I was. I like kind of being spiritual, so I prided myself in that. But then uh, things started to bother me as far as we had dogs, and I would say, why would I go to the dog park on Sunday and not church? Which seems kind of silly but that's kind of the my thinking was why would I spend so much time on a Sunday going to the dog park hanging out with these people not actually going to church so I heard uh, Pastor John when he used to come on at 11 a.m on Grace to You and I was like oh I think that's close by and so I went there never heard teaching like that before had no clue um but I just did it because oh we're going to I'm going to church and Let's learn about the Bible, but I had it was just so blind. Um, so it wasn't until 2003, when I was pregnant with my first child, that I started to um have deeper questions, more thoughts about what Christianity was. And John had just written a book called "Hard to Believe," and he was talking about that you know some people think they're a Christian and not. And so I was like, oh, let me get these for my friends <laughs> because obviously they're not believers. I am, <laughs> but I so I got a bunch of books for them. But I said, let me read it first. Before I send it to them, and that was just so convicting. It was basically a sermon from Luke, um, and that I didn't believe I was that way. I didn't believe I was spiritually dead. I didn't believe I was a hypocrite. And just um, God's word just kind of dismantling <laughs> any type of um, hope I had in myself. And I actually threw that book down a few times because I I said that's not me, um, but it was. And so at that moment I repented and came to know the lord and so grateful um and it's so neat because my oldest at the time had rsv rsv so it's a respiratory virus for um babies it's usually just a common cold but because they can't breathe through their nose i believe um or their mouth it's hard for them to breathe when they get congested so i just become a believer and then she was in cedar sinai for four days but just the grace of god (laughs) through all that wow perfect timing yeah trial was neat. And then I started our women's Bible study the following year. And I've just been so grateful to the many women he's put in my life to um, disciple me along the way, because my husband wasn't a believer at the time. He came to know the Lord much later in life. And so that was a hard trial trying to be the Holy Spirit, which which never works. (laughs) Um, So I'm just thankful. So yeah, that's uh, pretty much it. The Lord open my eyes. You don't realize how blind you are until God opens your eyes. You're you really are clueless. You don't you can't see. So when he does, it's it's disheartening and shocking and, you know, how can you not but repent and say please forgive me because I had no idea. Like I did not know. It right. just says Jesus said they don't know what they're doing.
0: They don't. They don't. And neither just like you said, yeah. and neither did we. Yeah. It's a wonderful, wonderful testimony. Even even in the little bits that you had along the way, the influence from your coaches, the influence from your stepdad, the the influence at school, just those things that the Lord was using and preparing mm-hmm. for when you actually did read that and read that the part of uh it's the gospel according to Jesus, right? That you read that was John. Hard book. to believe. Hard to believe. Mm-hmm. Both of those are very good. Let me just do a plug for John's books. John MacArthur, (laughs) our pastor and great uh, author. So, but in those moments, it's just so tender and wonderful of how the Lord does bring you to himself. So thank you so much for sharing that. So you've had Christian friends on both sides of the aisle on this issue. Some think it's right to address race relations in the church and some don't. What do you think? And how have you counseled those who believe this issue requires
1: like copious amounts of attention? What do you say to them? It's hard to see, it's hard to hear. Great progress has been made. And um, to kind of deny that or diminish it is sad. I think people need to take a step back. Um, they need to listen <laughs> and to respond in an appropriate way and with facts not with how you feel about things but what is actually factual so then you can have a strong debate and you know conversation with someone even if they may disagree with you but give me some facts to say that this is true and this is happening but people are not listening they just want their voice to be heard you need to hear me and that's it and i can't question what you're saying and that's dangerous because it may not be true People just aren't thinking anymore. People aren't just stepping back to take the time to think and say, does this make sense to me? Looking at history, hmm, that seems kind of familiar to what's <laughs> happening now. So that part is very hard. The reality is we're always going to have sin. There's always going to be racism. I don't think anyone would deny that. We are sinners and we live in a fallen world. So that shouldn't be shocking to us. Um, I think how they're doing it is a bit alarming and disturbing. They just need to go back to God created every nation and so every different ethnicity in this world. And they don't see that as much. It's basically on color. When they talk about racism, it's black and white. But scripture, Acts 17, 26 talks about that. God with one nation. And that's where we get our word ethnicities from. So any prejudice you have towards an ethnicity is sin and is showing partiality. And so that's very um, dangerous to do because there's just too much of it 's black white if I am black, therefore I cannot be racist and that 's far from that 's far from true <laughs> yes, speaking of that right, would you say that
0: we 've talked about this before uh, and laughed about it before? Are white people the only people who are racist, or are there black people who are racist and Latinos who are racist and Asians who are racist, or is it just white people <laughs>
1: Yeah no, no, I agree and it's and it 's all. Um, if because it's you, not an issue of color of skin. It's a heart issue. Yeah. And it always will be a, a heart issue. And um, if humanity was able to make the world right, it would have done it by now. Amen. It, they would have done it and it would have been, we wouldn't be here having this podcast, <laughs> but they, they cannot. Um, they're looking for a, a utopia that is unattainable That's or right. they're not looking to God and what He says that I am preparing a place for you that um even in Hebrews we're looking for a heavenly place right we're looking for a new home, and people are so grounded here, so rooted here that they forget that God has prepared something even better for us that's and instead right. of um being focused on color, we need to be focused on the heart and the gospel changing lives, and that's what people need they need the gospel, so they've Diminished God in some ways and said, He is not sufficient. And so we need to do all these other things so people will feel loved and cherished and heard. And I understand that everyone wants to feel loved and cherished and heard. But the way they're doing it, they're almost saying, Well, this group of people, namely white, are the bad ones. <laughs> and everyone of people of color are the ones that are not bad and they need um, our help. And it's almost like we can't function. It's like skin color is not some disability. Exactly. you know and that's what it sometimes feels like and i i struggle with that a lot because it's like i'm fine <laughs> um you know not all you I mean i think they think black people are just one big monolith we don't all think alike um we don't all speak alike there's many different ethnicities just even in black community you think of africa and south africa and zimbabwe and madagascar and there's black people there but they're just different. right? And so to lump us all into one category is a bit disheartening. So that that really bothers me. I agree. And I think you made a great
0: point saying it's almost like it's a substitution for God and God's love. Mm -hmm. They don't have that. They're not adhering to that. They're not giving God his rightful place in their life. And so instead there's a substitution and it's going to be in race and fighting for that and critical race and all of that and social justice they're going to go that direction but what they really need is to be filled with the love of God and it's a they're dismissing him and substituting
1: substituting him that's a great point they're making a lot of times they're making assumptions that may or may not be true um, which is again dangerous and, and you can't then have a conversation with someone because they basically said well this is my truth this is how I feel so how dare you question it well needs to be questioned because it may not be based in reality as one friend had said you know with the horrible thing with george floyd which no one would deny you know and she's black and why do they why do white people hate me i'm like well not every single white person hates you that's not true <laughs> right <laughs> um and and we all know is a horrible thing but that didn't happen to you that happened to this one particular man and his family needs to grieve over the fact that they lost um, a son and a father. Right. Um, regardless of what he did, they still lost someone. Sure. Um, that's where the grief should be, that it's he's an image bearer of God. And the fact that um, your grief is a bit one-sided discourages me a bit because then I think, well, what if it was on the other side and a police officer had his knee on a, a white person? And the same thing was happening. Would you still be grieving over that? Would you still be disheartened? Like, oh my goodness, I can't believe that happened, regardless of the skin color. But that's, as a believer, this is an image bearer of God. I don't want to see that happening. Another image bearer of God is hurting someone else. And that's, that's, that's a, where grief should be. Not, well, they happen to be black, so they're, I'm sad. But, oh, they're white. Well, no, well, it's not that big of a deal.
0: So... What damage relationally do you think it's doing in the church? Have you seen specifically? You kind of gave us some examples
1: of that. Well, I think it ruins the church. Um, and just to go back, I don't think there's necessarily anything wrong with discussing race relations in the right. church because that's what's going on in our culture. Sure. And so I think that's you know a good thing, but it always has to be woven through the pages of scripture and what does God's word say in the gospel. That's the most important thing. When you deviate from that, then you're... Again, you're exalting that instead of God's word. And so that's very important distinction that has to be made. Yes, you should discuss these things. You should never deny them because for some people it is a a reality. For some of their family members, it is a reality. So you never want to dismiss that. But moving forward, what can we do to help? And with anything, we we should always take them back to scripture. Because if we can't take them back to scripture, then we're basically saying God is not enough. He is not enough to heal you. He is not enough to save someone. He is not enough to do anything. I need to get something else. And that's a different gospel. And that's where the danger lies. So yes, it does ruin. Um, it destroys the church because as you said earlier, there is no forgiveness. There's no love or kindness. I can't fully remember this story, but a guy who, um, I believe he killed someone and he was a, uh, black. And the brother came to court. It was, I think it was last year. And he gave a testimony saying, I forgive you for what you did. I know my family may think differently, but I do forgive you. And a, a lot of the, um, black leaders are upset that he was willing to forgive someone who's white. And it's just like, well, if you're a believer, that's what God requires of us is to be forgiving. And, um, if you cannot, you need to read your Bible and read it again um, and see what God says. And see, that's where you're talking about earlier, where it is becomes divisive. I will only forgive you if you do this. And God's forgiveness, I mean, as we see, is far as from the east to the west. And as believers, we should be the same. I'm not saying it's easy, but we should be ones that are so forgiving of um, anyone that hurts us because that's so important. That will unite the church. So when they're not doing that, when they are saying we need to have a certain amount of black people in our church and maybe less white or a certain amount of Hispanic, then our church is a church. That's not true because we don't know what's in the heart of these people that you're bringing in. They don't know anything. They don't understand the truth of scripture. And so how can they have true fellowship? How can they have breaking of the bread? How can they uh, have communion if you have a bunch of people that look different and it's diverse, but aren't true believers? I mean, that. That's that doesn't just make
0: a s- corporation. Yes, <laughs> it's yeah. not
1: a church. No, it's a social club. Great point that you made. And it's always a lot of times on my terms, right? Especially when it comes to race relations. Like when it was, it was. I was horrified to see you know, white people washing black people's feet on the news. I I just didn't understand. What are you, what are you doing? <laughs> like, please stop because they really are trying to embarrass you. And say look what I can make this white person do now and so guilt is a very dangerous and powerful thing and you continue to make people feel guilty about something then they want to like what can I do to to help Um, stop doing that you know please stop doing that there's nothing wrong with emotions obviously God gave us emotions but it needs to be grounded in the truth of Scripture and I think for some believers they've stopped they're just sometimes I guess biblically illiterate not just taking the time to think and say does this make sense to me am, am, what am i doing is that honoring to the lord is this helping my brother or sister in christ or is it hindering them so you know we need to dwell like philippians 4 8 what is true what is noble what is right and trust the sovereignty of god um, so the church is embracing ideologies that go against the word of god so let's talk
0: about these terms oppressor and oppressed and which I think is what the critical race theory is based upon and the thing that makes me most angry is the way that they are accusing white people of white privilege etc and then telling you if you don't see that in yourself or agree with it then that's just symptomatic of the fact that you have white privilege and it goes in this circle that you just simply cannot get out of if you just want to say that's not true then you're accused of not understanding and being example of the oppression that they're that they are accusing you of <laughs> and so this is how I'm feeling in society today not only with this issue but with a lot of issues I feel like I'm in the movie one flew over the cuckoo's nest or in the book but the movie the 7175 I think movie was very depressing but really good for a lot of reasons because the nurse, Nurse Ratchet, if you've ever seen it, of course, you know what I'm talking about. I feel like she represents society and that I am Randall, Jack Nicholson's character. And she is telling me that I'm racist and that I have white privilege and that if I do not accept this, that there's something wrong with me and that I'm going to stay in the psych ward. And she's saying, yes, you are. Yes, you are you are racist. And I'm saying, no, no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm trying to tell the truth here. And she's saying, no, you are. You are Randall. You're racist. And you have white privilege. And then, of course, not only that, she's telling me that there are 500 genders. And I'm saying, no, there's only two. And she's saying, no, there's 500. And if you don't believe me, you are going to stay on the third floor of the psych ward. There's this idea that they can say things that are not true. They're trying to convince us that they're true. They're trying to convince me that two plus two equals five. And it's some kind of weird brainwashing thing, it feels like. I'm thinking about this in the church. And although uh, this didn't happen in our church, it happened with my mom who is Catholic, and she read a blog from her uh, priest, and this happened over the summer with the riots. And you know, my parents have seen a lot. They're in their eighties, so they've seen a lot of troubling history over their entire lives. But my mom was so frightened this summer, more more than ever, because of what was happening in our streets, I and mean, it was truly unbelievable. So. She reads this blog from this priest and I'm going to quote some of it because it was so astounding to me that he was so much more concerned about race relations than shepherding his flock that was very, very fearful. So for instance, this is what he wrote on his blog. Our world has become much more diverse in terms of race and culture and viewpoints, but as I have often noted... People don't always deal well with change. Elements of the white privilege in which I grew up, in which many of us grew up, created a comfortable, for us, complacency that surrounded us. The demands for change in that regard have provoked an ugly reaction, and many of the attitudes of white privilege manifested themselves in hardened opinions, narrowness of vision, and a kind of xenophobia. So here we go with that word too. And so here he is saying that the situation in which he grew up was complacent and narrow minded, which is judging people's hearts and minds, which is God's job. And then disparaging the fondness of good memories that people had for their childhood. Like you can't reminisce or have nostalgia anymore because if you grew up in a white neighborhood, then something's wrong with you. Uh, And You know, we were thinking about this. What if your parents worked hard and they provided good opportunities? Scripture says, honor your mother and father. That's completely absent from what he said. We're supposed to be grateful for uh, if we have a good childhood that God gave us that. Not to be patronized and having to apologize for it just because someone grew up white doesn't mean that they aren't privy to the same problems of a fallen world. And so he goes on to say, I cannot apologize for being born into white privilege it would do no good anyway, but it does mean that I can hear the challenge that is laid before us and acknowledge that there must be s- systematic or systemic, I don't know what she was saying, probably systematic uh, cultural change. And so again, that is saying that There's just this slam against the God who created us. He made every person for his purpose and his glory. We are not to apologize for what skin color we have or the situation we were born into. That is a rejection of God's providence. We are, as King David said in Psalm 139, 13 and 14, for you formed my inward parts, you covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works that my soul knows very well. So not that I expect a ton from a Catholic priest who probably isn't born again, from what I understand. If you're scared and the night watches or you're scared out of your wits with what's happening and your heart is troubled, you do not want to hear about race relations. That's not the thing that's going to help you in the middle of the night when you're fearful. But so many of these church leaders, if we want to call them that, are going in that direction instead of what the heart really needs, of course, A, which is the gospel, but B, the, the the attributes of God, the protection of God, the help of God Almighty. And that's not being done. It That's being dismissed, like we're talking about. In relationship to this is Acts seventeen twenty six, And he made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings. One blood, all men are equal in God's sight since they all came from one man, Adam. Determined their pre-appointed times, God's sovereignty over the rise and fall of nations and empires and people groups and the boundaries of their dwellings. God is responsible for establishing nations as to their racial identity and their specific geographical locations. He is in charge of all of that. And he's in control of all of that from our hair color to our parentage to our to the place where we grew up and we are to praise him for all things. That should be our attitude. We praise him for how he made us. We are not to apologize for that. Uh, the truth is that slavery existed during Christ's earthly ministry and and unfair taxes existed during his earthly ministry and poverty existed during his earthly ministry. Corrupt government existed during his earthly ministry. He could have tackled it all, but he didn't. He was singularly focused, basically deal with the sin in your life, repent, believe I am the son of God and follow me. So he came to change hearts. That's what he came to change. One of the things that we know about the last days is that the ethnic group is going to rise against ethnic group, just meaning nation against nation. The words are ethnos, epiethnos in the last days, ethnic group versus ethnic group. And the the scripture for that is Matthew 24, 6, and 7. You will be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not frightened, for those things must take place. But that is not yet the end, for nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and in various places there will be famines and earthquakes. So that's a tribe or a nation or a people group happening for this scripture in the tribulation which hopefully we will be out of here as a church and the rapture will happen before that happens but can't we see how that is being prepped in our country and then of course I'm sure you know around the world but we have not seen this before I've never seen this before
1: no conformity is coming in, and I would just go back to the fact that um, I think the priest and what people who are church or go to church fail to understand is that all people groups have suffered (laughs) all people groups have had an being oppressed or had an oppressor again i don't mean to be repetitive but we live in a fallen sinful world so we can't be shocked by this um and so that's why we need to proclaim the gospel of jesus christ my dad grew up in in texas in liberty and he's like i never knew i was poor My mom, he's like, his mom did everything she needed to do as a black woman. She worked for a white family. They treated her very well. Um, He's like, I never got pulled over by the police. That just never happened to me in the South. And so everyone's experience is different. I'm not saying it doesn't happen. But I think when, again, it's this guilt. If I can make a group of people feel guilty, then I can get whatever I want from them. And any Christian who's allowing that to happen, welcoming that ideology, needs to repent <laughs> and stop doing that because it's, it's it's destructive and it's not helpful. I think it's discouraging for um, Black Christians who are holding to biblical truth and are pushing this away. It's like, you're trying to make me oppressed. You're trying to make me a victim. You're trying to bring back racism or prejudice towards me again you're not helping the situation you're making the situation worse and trying to fight um against that but you can see the prep of conformity <laughs> yes definitely um with masks or whatever it may be government just moving the needle just a little bit further a little bit further as uh, one guy said the government's in kind of both lanes <laughs> mm-hmm. you know we're not going to stay in one lane we're not going to go the there we're just going to be in the both lanes to control the masses, which in some ways is scary, but then it's exciting because Christ is returning. And even more so, we need to proclaim the gospel because we want souls to to come to know the Lord and to be in a relationship with Yahweh. God is coming to create a new heaven and a new earth. And so holding on to this or trying to, like I said again, uh, make some utopia so everyone can feel wonderful is not true. You have people in households that sometimes don't get along. Siblings. I mean, everyone is just so different in their own household of what they like or dislike or what they believe or don't believe. So how do you think, expect to do that in society? I mean, it just does not make any sense.
0: I completely agree. I bring that point up a lot. All of these people that are uh, rallying against what's happening or protesting, etc., I always want to say to them, just to your point, how are you getting along with your spouse? How are you getting along with your kids? How are your kids getting along with one another? You can't even get along in your own home, let alone tell the rest of the world how they are supposed to be getting along with one another. Once you have a perfectly, uh, perfectly in harmony family unit, for instance, then you let me know if you guys are perfect and you can do it within four people, let's say in a family, as opposed to a society and the world. You're sinners. We're sinners. That's what happens. That's why there's not a utopia or perfect harmony yet. That won't happen until we're in heaven. But that's the idea. And, and I see that all the time. And that is such a fantastic point. Stop trying to tell other people how to get along. You can't even get along usually with the members of your own household or your family or your in-laws or what have you. So I I love that point. And
1: even if the Lord made everyone the same skin color, there'd still be issues. Exactly. You know, there still be... I mean, I went to school in Saskatchewan. It was majority um, white, very few um, black kids at my school. And white kids against white kids were horrible. They just were unkind. That's just a sinful heart. Um, my husband went to a black college and they treated him poorly because he spoke proper English and they didn't understand why he spoke that way. They didn't like the fact that his mom was white because he's mixed um, they would call him all sorts of names because he didn't fall in line with what Black America says you're supposed to to do. I think people are making it more complex than it needs to be.
0: Well what do you tell your kids how how are they supposed to respond? to what's happening. They're growing up now in a world, like I said, that we don't even remember 20, 30 years ago when we were in high school, we don't remember facing these Mm -hmm. kinds of things. And so here they are hearing on the news or from their friends or on social media or whatever, they're being bombarded with this whole polarizing race stuff. What What do you say to them? How do you as a mom address that issue with your
1: children? Well, I think first you take them back to, I would take them back to scripture. Um, let them know that we are going to suffer in this world. There, there are always going to be trials. My um, youngest had a situation at the, the school where when the kids didn't want him on the team. So he said, well, I don't want you to play because your skin's brown. Principal called me. He was more upset than I was <laughs> and was saying, this is what happened with William. We talked to the parents. The parents are horrified, but I was really more concerned about how did William Handle this. And so the principal talked to him and said, So what happened? And William's like, Well, I don't really remember. So I'm like, Okay, well, that's the first clue. (laughs) And so he kept talking to him. And William's just like, Oh, I don't know. So he's like, So who loves you? And William said, God. And Mm -hmm. who else loves you? And William's like, Jesus. (laughs) And so he's like, Well, I love you and your parents love you. And William's like, Okay. And he's like, Do you want to go out and play? He's like, Yes. And so he just left it at that. And I, my husband and he talked to William and I mean it didn't even phase him really what Thane just told him you know there are gonna be various reasons why someone may not want to play with you one of them because your skin color it could be you're too tall you're too short there's many reasons why and he just left it at that Um, as though growing up we didn't get called
0: names for a whole exactly of reasons. And we didn't fight amongst our friends for a whole host of reasons. And we weren't gossiped about. And we weren't... Of course we were. We all dealt with that growing up. We've all been humiliated. We've all been embarrassed. And then to say that there's only one group that that has ever happened to is ludicrous.
1: And that's what they're doing. They're making it seem like it's only one. And so, again, with any trial the lord puts you through just like i tell my kids you always go back to scripture and i tell them you know they had black history month at their school and pastor's happy that one of his white brethren are crying with him because of i guess the george floyd situation and again i would never dismiss that everyone would agree was a horrible thing um but my point is that didn't actually happen to him Um, And I get understand as a people group, how things like that have happened. So I understand why it might trigger some things, but it still didn't happen uh, to him. He's not, he didn't lose someone like that. So I just remind them that we live in a fallen world. People are sinners and you're going to go through trials. And when you go through trials, you always go back to the truth of who God is and rest in his character. And I think evangelicals, I don't know if they just don't believe in the sovereignty of God, which is, I think we all can struggle with sometimes, but we have to trust um, what he's doing. If you look at, I mean, the history of black people coming from Africa with their own people selling them and coming to a, a, a foreign land where they don't know the language, they don't eat the food. I mean, completely different and even surviving that and even becoming stronger from that and then being freed from slavery, all the progress that has been done. There's a lot of good things, but I, I don't know if people look and, and say, Look what God has done. Look what He's done with this people group and what they suffered through. Look how he allowed white men <laughs> during the Civil War who who could for some probably could care less. They have no investment in black people, but are willing to fight and die for them so that they could have their freedom yet no one discusses that especially in the church to say but look how far things have come it's like oh woe is me this is horrible the white man's horrible and it's like well everyone's horrible I'm horrible (laughs) you know (laughs) and I need to yeah and I need to repent so um, you always take your kids back to God's word and you teach them to be good listeners when someone is talking about that and to ask good questions because people need to define what they're talking about and if they can't define it then it's just too fluid and there is really no answer and to be able to articulate um, themselves well we can in some ways avoid this because we're just much older but um as my kids are growing they're going to have to be able to stand up and articulate why they believe what they believe and to articulate the the truth of scripture what god's word actually says there aren't 500 genders there's only two um and that will be offensive to some, but the truth will always come out um, eventually. So we don't they don't need to get upset and riled up because someone may be saying something that's untrue. Because if we know the truth, we can be quite calm about it. This is what God says is true and will always be true. And so And that's just, what we yeah. have to
0: stand on in yeah. a fluctuating world yeah. is the timeless truth of scripture.
1: No, I agree. And and even with that everyone, a lot of people say, well, you know, racism is in the system, so it's microaggression, it's all these little things, and it's my truth, so therefore it is true. Well, again, that may not be true, so it's important for us as adults to know the truth of God's Word, but even as young people, as they go through um, high school and the university system, having that in their face all the time, it's, it's so important to be grounded. We need to know our Bible's well. We do. And that takes time and that takes discipline. I'm not saying it's easy. I don't always do it um, well, but we need to take that time because the days are, are dark. And so if you have kids and they're growing up in this world, you have to give them the truth of scripture. We cannot be um, as parents or even grandmas or aunts, any influence that we have with young people, we cannot be lazy in that area. Amen. We have to prepare them for the battle that they are going to face in this generation, which is going to be challenging. You know, it's going to be uh, very hard. But uh, what a joy when you go through those trials and God brings you through it that you can say, I know what I believe. When we go through trials, just holding on to scripture, and that would, that's what I tell myself, and that's what I'm going to tell my my kids as well. Like I tell uh, my oldest, will be getting her license soon. It's like, you will get pulled over by a police officer. So, you know. You put your wallet up on the dashboard. You put make sure all your windows are down, and you put your hands on the wheel. And you're very respectful to the officer because he is in an authority and he has a gun. <laughs> so I mean, it's it's pretty simple. But I would tell that to anyone, regardless of their skin color. You need to respect someone who is in authority who has a gun. Like that's common sense. Yeah, it's just common sense. So it has nothing to do with them being black. It's just being respectful to authority. That's just what I tell my kids, and I'll tell my son the same thing. You're, you're respectful um, to those who are in authority.
0: Right, and as the days grow darker, and they are growing darker, we have to stand on that truth and stand on that understanding and stand on scripture and stand on God's word. You should tell the story because you know it better than I do, but there is a gentleman in our church that has a great story about, again, racism being in the heart, And God having to change that just like any other sin and then set you straight. And then what happened as a a result of that?
1: So So yes, there's a gentleman in the church who obviously is white and grew up in an area with lots of Hispanics. And they treated him terribly to the point where he hated them. Um, Did not want to be around Spanish people at all because of how they treated him. Eventually God saved him um and worked in his own heart with that cuz that would be a i mean no one would deny the reality that would be a very difficult struggle cuz every time you see one your old memories are coming up even if they're the nicest person in the world you still have that that um memory of what went on but you know the lord saved him and changed his heart towards Hispanic people and end up marrying a spanish woman so it's just <laughs> you know it's just neat to see how god can do that but you have to be willing too to say lord help me In this area where I am struggling even though I was sinned against now I'm doing the same thing exactly and you have to recognize that and it's always it's always going to be a heart issue it has nothing to do with what you see here it's it's a heart whether if it was two white people who had a disagreement it's always coming down to a a heart issue but just to see God work in that area in his life where he saved him he allowed him to uh, forgive the people Um, the Hispanic people that treated him poorly. And then, you know, he married a Hispanic woman. And And
0: speaks fluent Spanish.
1: Speaks fluent Spanish and (laughs) did missionary
0: work. (laughs) Right. The all-time answer to the narrative, the all-time answer, top of the line, best, transcendent, guaranteed not to fail, is embracing the gospel. That brings unity. That undermines all the lies. And I think about this wonderful, wonderful memory that I have of being in Israel and being in a church led by a Messianic Jewish man. And we went to worship that Sunday and the congregation was full of people from every tribe, from every nation, from every walk of life. And the most fascinating and most beautiful picture was in the front row. When the pastor said, standing in front of me are two people who were radical Muslims that had just gotten saved, there were Arabs, there's Jews, uh, Muslims, essentially holding hands and singing, he is exalted, Mm. The, the king is exalted on high. Now, nowhere else on the planet can you have that kind of unity where people that are mortal enemies come together and hold hands and sing to God their king, because now they have the same like-mindedness and they have the same savior and they have the same king and they're brothers and sisters in Christ in one body. The true church of Jesus Christ changes everything in
1: that way. And I would say too, if you have a friend who um, may be black and you know may think that you don't care about them, that's not true. You just always have to go back to the truth of Scripture. I don't think anyone should feel afraid or like, oh, I can't say anything because I'm white and they're not going to listen. You don't know what God can do. And so you always definitely pray uh, for their own heart. And, you know, obviously grieve when there is a true grievance that they're going through. And there could be um, fear. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's uh, based in reality, but if they're listening to a lot of rhetoric that keeps saying the same thing over and over again, people are going to get fearful. And so um, to be compassionate about that, but always go back to the truth of what does God say, always going back to the the character of who God is. I, I did want to share um, this guy, his name's Jupiter Hammond. He wrote an um, essay in New York. Um, he was a slave in his 90s. And um, just a great, I think, reminder of what the main thing is, And he just said, now I acknowledge that liberty is a great thing and we're seeking for if we can get it honestly and by our good conduct prevail on our masters to set us free. Though for my own part, I do not wish to be free. Yet I should be glad if others, especially the young Negroes, were to be free for many of us who are grown up slaves and have always had masters to take care of us should hardly know how to take care of ourselves. And it may be more for our own comfort to remain as we are that liberty is a great thing we may know from our own feelings and we may likewise judge so from the conduct of the white people in the late war, how much money has been spent and how many lives have been lost to defend their liberty. Um, But then he goes on to say, I must say that I have hoped that God would open their eyes when they were so much engaged for liberty, to think of the state of the poor blacks and to pity us. He has done it in some measures and has raised us up many friends for which we have reason to be thankful and to hope in his mercy. What may be done further he only knows, for known unto God are all his ways from the beginning. But this, my dear brethren, is by no means the greatest thing we have to be concerned about. Getting our liberty in this world is nothing to our having the liberty of the children of God. Now the Bible tells us that we are all by nature sinners, that we are slaves to sin and Satan, and that unless we are converted or born again, we must be miserable forever. Christ says, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God, and all that do not see the kingdom of God must be in the kingdom of darkness. And he goes on to say, there are but two places where all go after death, white, black, rich, and poor. Those places are heaven and hell. And I think that's just a great reminder of someone who was a slave, who suffered through slavery, and yet God saves him, and he sees the most important thing is your freedom in Christ regardless of God never allowed um, slavery to end, the most important thing in this world is your is your freedom in Christ, regardless of your skin color, regardless of your socioeconomic stances, regardless of your gender, it's freedom in Christ. And of all people, he should be like, I want my freedom from being enslaved, but he didn't want that because he was older, but he definitely wanted that for the the younger ones. But just to see his heart for the lord and for as if you ever get a chance to read this essay of them coming to know jesus christ as their lord and savior i mean it's yeah. beautiful
0: and it's timely and it's i love an argument from the from the greater to the lesser he suffered more than many many people mm-hmm. under slavery for instance mm-hmm. but look at his heart of gratitude so for everybody who has so much more freedom today and not having to suffer that, but still complaining and being bitter and ungrateful, that is a real testimony. And that's exactly right. Freedom, the freedom that matters the most is freedom in Christ. We can all be enslaved in different ways. And definitely we are slaves to sin before we're born again. And the way that things are going in these last days, we don't know that we might not have some type of Prison ahead of us for, for sharing the gospel, or something along those lines. I mean, we could be behind bars to a certain degree too. Mm -hmm. There's always some possibility of that. So I, I love that charge. I love his attitude to say exactly what we would agree with completely. Mm -hmm. We want to be free in Christ. This life (laughs) is but a vapor, and we like the like the grass is fading away that's us too Mm -hmm. but but god that's the most important question is where do you stand before him are you a slave to sin or are you have you been liberated and you're now part of the the kingdom of light from darkness to light
1: which kingdom are you in yeah and so and he says that in his essay as well and i just think you know people talk about I need reparations or when the rioting was going on it's like well we don't care because that's our reparations um they need to be reconciled to God that's right. and that's what evangelicals need to be telling um blacks in the situation not um pandering to it and excusing their sin we have to let God do the work he uses us but he doesn't need us and I think they're trying to Oh, god needs us to do all these things to help and he has already established his church he already knows who his people are as someone asked me i said my people are believers right yes obviously because i'm black and my mom's jamaican there are certain aspects of that being my people but my true people are believers in christ right from all tongue tribes and nations from every different ethnicity those are our people and so when you're not encouraging them to okay examine your heart to repent of your sin you're saying it's all right to act this way and that's not what god calls us to do but i think people become afraid to say anything because they don't want to lose that friendship but at the end of the day what do we really have to lose we have to we have to honor the lord and we, do. we have to speak truth in love and kindness because they're going in a direction that is hurtful for their own souls and they're you know spreading ideologies that are unbiblical right that don't follow the truth of scripture just because you may be black and maybe they may be treating you this way we don't know if it's true or not if it is we deal with it doesn't mean you get to act any way you like
0: we're supposed to be praying for our enemies mm-hmm. blessing those who who curse us and that's christianity that's christianity that's what christians do even though it can be difficult it's <laughs> absolutely difficult it's absolutely difficult but that's what we're called to do We want nothing more than God's church to be glorified and for us to uh, continue in our uh, love for him and being built up together. LaDonna, I thank you so much for being with us today. You had so many great insights and good thoughts, and we will just continue to be ambassadors, sisters in Christ and ambassadors for God. Mm -hmm.